Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. If you're following the status of assault weapons bills in Illinois, you might get whiplash. At the beginning of the year, we had a ban. And now, after a lot of back and forth in the courts, we don't. This is the Reset Podcast. I'm Sasha Ann Simon. A federal judge in the U.S. District Court of Southern Illinois has ruled to block the assault weapons ban in our state. The ban has faced a number of lawsuits, injunctions, and restraining orders since it was introduced after the Highland Park shooting and signed into law on January 10th. Many of these lawsuits have been filed in the Northern District, which is viewed as more liberal. Southern District Judge Stephen McGlynn granted a motion for a preliminary injunction to block enforcement of the ban statewide. Translation, you can still buy an assault-style rifle in Illinois. For now. We're joined from Springfield by WBEZ State House reporter Mawa Iqbal. So let's start by clearing things up with how we got to today's developments. Governor Pritzker signed the Protect Illinois Communities Act on January 10th, banning assault weapons across the state. And Judge McGlynn has now blocked the ban. So just break it down for us, Mawa. How did we go from having a ban to now no ban? So essentially, uh, after Governor Pritzker signed the act into law, there were just a flurry of lawsuits that came in from pro-gun advocates that were saying, you know, this violates our Second Amendment rights to bear arms and self-defense. And so a lot of those lawsuits were filed in the federal Southern District Court in uh, Southern Illinois. Um, and so uh, they made it, so, so that, that court made a motion, I think a couple months ago, to just consolidate all the lawsuits because they're essentially saying, you know, the, the same arguments. And so instead of having, you know, multiple hearings that would be like similar hearings for all these different lawsuits, they, they figured, why don't we just make it all into one big thing and have okay. one big hearing? Yeah. And so essentially, uh, April 12th, so uh, almost a month ago, there was a, a hearing oral arguments for um, a motion to grant what's called a preliminary injunction. So basically what that means is just like a temporary blockage of the ban while the judge considers the larger question of, okay, like, is this violating people's constitutional rights? Which, of course, you know, can take like months, maybe even a year or two to really come to that final decision. And so plaintiffs were like, well, let's just get this blocked for now. And so, yeah, they, they had that hearing on um, April 12th. And, and uh, last Friday, the judge, uh, Judge Stephen McGlynn, uh, granted them that, mm-hmm. that blocking. So, and, and as you mentioned there, I mean, a lot of other judge, judges have weighed in on this with uh, two other federal judges actually upholding the ban days earlier than uh, McGlynn's block. How is it actually determined who can override who? Yeah, so since the uh, the lawsuits in the Northern District were separate, um, the, those don't actually have any bearing on, like, what happens in the Southern District. Okay. But the only way that um, someone can override uh, a federal judge is, is if it's an appeals judge, um, if, if they override the decision, or if the U.S. Supreme Court, which is the next highest step, will, um, you know, issue something that overrides what the federal judge said. So, so that we're clear, what is the status of, of, of gun rights today? Can someone legally purchase an assault rifle right now in this state? Yeah. So, I mean, um, this, you know, this temporary blocking, this preliminary injunction goes into effect, you know, immediately and it's enforced uh, statewide. So that means anyone in the state of Illinois, essentially it goes back to whatever the status quo was before this act was signed into law. And so anyone can go purchase a semi-automatic weapon, Uh, any uh, gun owner or or, or, uh, gun shop owner can sell them. 
And another provision of the law um, had required people who were already owners of these uh, firearms to register them with the state. Now, at least for the time being, they don't have to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. What was the reaction in Springfield after the news broke of the ban being blocked? Honestly, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm here, right? And I, I haven't heard really anything from lawmakers, um, although the Illinois State Rifle Association, which is, you know, of course, a, a pretty big um, pro-gun lobby group, like they, they were, you know, pretty uh, excited about this news, saw it as a really positive development. They're also one of the plaintiffs in, in the case as well. So they, they definitely saw this as a very um, promising step. Uh, what do we know about Judge McGlynn and, and his views of the assault weapon ban? Yeah, so um, he, you know, of course, is a little bit more conservative leaning, um, which is a big motivation for why the plaintiffs decided to file these lawsuits in the Southern District Court. Um, he was appointed by former President Donald Trump. He um, even just, just in the hearings that, that I sat in on in April, mm-hmm. um, you know, towards the end of it, he was talking um, and he even said, you know, not to editorialize, but I feel like, you know, we need to um, instead of like focusing on guns as being the bad guys and all these mass shootings, let's look at like mental health and let, let, let's let's put the focus more on like mental health pro- programs for, for troubled youth and teens. So it, it kind of seemed like he, at least with the gun debate, he was a little bit more sympathetic to the pro gun side. Um, I, I definitely noticed a, a real uh, distinction with how he was questioning the defendants. You know, yeah. I, I felt like he was going way harder on them than the, the plaintiff side. Yeah. Let me read you a quote from his uh, ruling. It says, quote, although defendants challenged the veracity of plaintiff's evidence, they were unable to produce evidence showing that modern sporting rifles are both dangerous and unusual. Consequently, defendants failed to meet their burden to demonstrate that the arms banned are dangerous and unusual and thus not protected by the Second Amendment. So just break that down for us, Moa. Yeah, so the burden of proof that he's talking about actually comes from a Supreme Court case out of New York last summer. It's 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 a, the Bruin case, which is what it's referred to. Um, and they basically rule that the burden of proof must fall on the state to prove that these firearms are, yeah, quote, dangerous and unusual. Um, and so he's saying that the defendants failed to prove that ARs are dangerous, um, essentially just, just saying that, you know, um, when it comes to like gun crime in general, AR-15s aren't really used. It's, it's like other types of firearms that are used in like overall gun crime statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they have more of a proof or more of a burden to show like, you know, are these actually dangerous to, to the public? So now that Judge McGlynn's blocked this ban, how can folks who are in favor of the band, ban respond? Yeah, so I mean, um, uh, the you know, if if I guess it's it's kind of like a waiting game to to see what what happens. Uh, right now, it's going through the appeals process. So um, Illinois Attorney General Kwame Rowell filed an appeal within the Southern District of Illinois, basically just just saying, you know. Um, uh, we we don't agree with this uh, order, and he also filed a stay of motion. So so that just means that like while this is going through the appeals process, while he's appealing them, like we should stay the order, meaning that it should not go into effect, um, j- just for the time being. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll we'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah, th- there's not really much else um, gun control advocates can do aside from just like you know Wait lobbying and. Wait it out. Yeah, exactly. Does the you mentioned the attorney general, does the attorney general have overriding powers here? No, no, it really. I mean, his his role, right, is is to just appeal and and to uh, present arguments, uh, you know, and hearings and file motions. But really, it, it is up to the judge. 
um, to, to hand down the final decision. So what timeline should we expect here for any further developments with the ban? And, <laughs> and how soon question. could it be reinstated? I think that's what uh, a lot of folks want to know. Um, well, honestly, as soon as the appeals process gets going, I mean, if, if they, you know, it, it's kind of like what will happen is like a back and forth sort of thing. So like if, if the appeals court grants the attorney general's appeal, then the ban theoretically or, or the, the preliminary injunction can be overturned. But then, of course, plaintiffs can file another appeal to that to, to the U.S. Supreme Court if they want to. So it's it's kind of hard to say um, as far as the timeline goes. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, that this could take up to like a few months to a year for it all to go underway. But it's just, yeah, I guess the best answer I have is to just sort of wait and see what happens. That was WBEZ State House reporter Mawa Iqbal. Thank you, Mawa. Thank you. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Michael Liptrot and edited by Ethan Schwab and Dan Tucker. The focus of our show is bringing you the news that impacts your life every day. That's also what our newsletter is about. If you haven't signed up yet, head over to wbez.org slash reset and get in the know. That's it for this episode. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.